0: Close? Oh, really? Vampire! We we'll your daddy! Count Dracula, I am... Dracula. Dracula. And I bid you welcome, Mr. Hart, to my heart. Come. Our first award goes to the vampire for most blood drained in a single evening. The strength of the vampire is that people will not believe in him. Good evening, my fellow vampire lovers. The sun is going down and you know what that means. It's time for me to record an episode of my podcast, The Beautiful Dead. As always, I'm your host, Lena Nazari. You can find me on all of the things. Just go to lenanazari.com. There's links to my social media. You can also find some social media for the podcast specifically on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. You can always email me, and that link is on my website. Um, And anybody who gets replies on social media or from emails that is me i i reply to everybody who reaches out to me and i'm going to continue to do that for as long as i can so when i was deciding what to do i i really wanted to get something out to you guys you've been so patient with me as i've been busy um as of the recording of this podcast I have less than two weeks until I am Dr. Nazari, and I get to be done with school forever. I uh, am just under two weeks before the sequel to my uh, first book comes out. So the second book, Code Blood, will be out May 10th. I have obviously a lot on my plate. I am currently rereading a book for a future episode. I am also doing research for a future episode, so I didn't really want to add anything else on, such as watching a movie or doing any research, and, and, I, and if I'm going to do that, I want to do it the right way. I don't want to do it in a rushed way. So as I was deciding what did I want to put forth between now and the episode I'm currently researching for i got an email from somebody last night who's a fan of the book and um and there were some questions in there and i thought you know what i am going to use this time just before the second book comes out um to gather up all of the questions that i've gotten via social media or email or at conventions or in person. People at work will come up to me. They've read the book and they have questions. So I put all of those questions together. And there are a few questions that I realize I get a lot. So I try to put these questions into kind of a a understandable order, but also leave the, the most questioned questions towards the end. So um, we're going to do a little Q&A with Lena specifically about Byte Shift. Most of my questions are about Byte Shift. However, there are some questions in here about me. And as I've said with you guys before, I am very transparent. I'm very honest with you guys. So if you ask me the question, I'm going to answer. So just know that uh, don't ask something that you don't want to hear the answer to <laughs> because I will answer. I don't know if that recorded, but there was some kind of weird howling that just happened right outside my office door. I'm going to keep that on there. I hope you guys heard it. I'll have to go back and listen. I don't know what that was, but uh, it's full dark, so I'm not going out there. Well, actually, I might go out there and check it out. If I do, I promise to let you guys know what that sound was, if I hear it again. All right, guys, so I did go check it out. And it was the neighbor's dog who had gotten herself all tangled up and tripped up. So I'm going to keep that all in there because that's what it's like to record a podcast. You never know what's going to happen. You guys don't even realize how many times I've edited things out, crazy things like booms and car horns and you just never know. I I could record this at 2 a.m. and still have to deal with stuff like that. All right, I've gotten distracted. So uh, I put together all the questions and answers. We're going to do a little uh, Q&A with Lena Nazari. So let's go. The first question I get a lot is, people will see me at conventions dressed as Kate and they'll say, oh, you you look like a nurse. How do you know the hospital so well? Well, because I am a nurse. (laughs) I get this a lot. Um, People will say, oh, you really know what it's like to be a nurse. You know what it's like to be in the hospital um, that's because I am 100% genuine nurse currently working in the hospital um, you'll get to see more of this in the next book and I just hope that I am authentic and respectful of what it's really like and I love the idea of people who aren't in healthcare getting to really see what it's like um, and I'm gonna make a point to uh, throw in some extra characters in the third book Um, people that I I did not mean to leave out but have left out like our very hard-working nurses aides so I'll make sure that they're represented as well it's funny because the person who edited my second book asked me about one of the things that happens in the second book and you guys I think the nurses and doctors will know what I'm talking about when you read it he said you know can that really happen and I said oh it absolutely can happen (laughs) so he was very surprised by that Um, Is the hospital in your book a real hospital? Yes, it is. It is 80% the hospital I work at now. However, I did steal the breezeway from a different Pittsburgh hospital. Um, I remember the first time I walked across this breezeway, it was actually the hospital where I did um, my transitions Um, nurses will know that's like the last six weeks of nursing school you have to go to a hospital you have to be there full time with somebody and really work as a nurse before you graduate and this was the hospital that I was assigned to and I remember walking that breezeway at night and just it it affected me so that is added into this hospital as well as I did have to manipulate a couple things like the locations uh, the locations of the blood bank and the physician's offices. I did have to kind of manipulate that, that to make it work. Um, but I will tell you the graveyard is 100% real. I actually just looked out the window at it yesterday, so that is a real thing. Are your characters based on real people? I get this one a lot, too. The answer is yes and no. So I really do have two daughters, but they're not like the ones in the book. When I first started writing Bite Shift, they were the same age as Ellie and Olivia, but now of course they're older um, and they're they're not like the girls in the book. Yes, there is a Tom. The girl's dad and I work really hard to co-parent. Um, he is a police officer. He is remarried. And our arrangement isn't exactly like the one in the book. It was actually something that we had dreamed of. Um, You know, him being down the street and it being easy to trade the girls off without really... um, you know, disrupting or impacting their lives. However, as we all know, reality is much harder. You know, this is the joy of writing. You can manipulate the whole world. And I think that's why, you know, bank heists in movies look so cool because the writer can influence every aspect of what's happening. Um, But we all know that reality doesn't work like that. You know, um, he and I do whatever we can to have a solid drama-free life for the girls. I've known him since I was 20 and frankly fighting is exhausting so we um we try very hard to co-parent and um keep that relationship as smooth and and um you know we don't want it to be tumultuous for the girls a lot of people read the book they think that this kind of ex relationship is very far-fetched it's really not it takes a lot of work you have to really pick your battles but it, it is it's real and it's so much better than the alternative the other characters in the book are not based on real people per se it's more like personalities that we all see especially in the hospital Kate's men as I like to call them Reese Soren, and Alex um they're all made up of different parts of people who i know or have met or have seen on tv or have read about Um, i love hearing from fans and asking them which personality or man they're drawn to because um everybody is sort of attracted to a different person and it's not right or wrong i actually love every one of these men, Um, but I love to hear, you know, is it the shy, cute boy next door? Is it the handsome, but kind of cold doctor? The powerful, sexy vampire? It is interesting how um, they all find themselves loving one more than the other. But like I said, there's no wrong answer. I love every one of them, so there's no wrong answer. Now, I will tease something from the next book, which is a new couple who's coming into Kate's world who are, in fact, based on real people in my life. But you'll have to read the second book to find out. Um, This is one I get a lot, mostly at cons. I don't get it so much in um, emails or DMs, but at cons, people will come up and say, tell me about Soren. How did you come up with Soren?" Um, And so here he's so he's a mixture of different things that I have been attracted to or am attracted to. Um, As I said in my Anne Rice episode, the leather pants, the way he moves sort of like a graceful predator is Stuart Townsend's version of Lestat. Physically, he is inspired by Jonathan Reese Myers. I hope I don't get in trouble for saying that, but he's my inspiration. I will post the specific picture on Instagram when I post for this episode. If so, go to my Instagram and take a look. And if you haven't already, please follow me on all the things. Please subscribe to the podcast. Um, the way that Soren locks eyes with you when, he, when you speak to him and he speaks to you, that is actually um a trait belonging to someone who i have crossed paths with a few times and find very attractive and um one of the things that is so attractive about him is that when you speak to him he looks you directly in the eyes and he gives you his attention and his respect and that's i think very rare now a lot of people are distracted and they're glancing at their phones or they're glancing at their watches or they're watching people walk by you or they're thinking about the next thing they're gonna say um, and they're not completely paying attention to you. But with this person and my Soren, he, he does, he gives you his full attention, he locks eyes with you, he listens to what you're saying, and I just I find it extremely attractive. And whenever it happens, it, it makes me a little weak in the knees. So I gave Soren that trait because I do think it is very powerful. Um, his ability to rule without compromise, his loyalty to those that he loves, that's Eric Northman from True Blood. Uh, side note, um, Alex, the character in the book, the name is actually in honor of Alex Garsgard, who plays Eric in True Blood. And Reese from the book uh, was named in honor of Jonathan Reese Myers, who inspired Soren's look. So. A little nod to those people who inadvertently inspired part of these books. And um, if you've heard this podcast now, you know that. Um, his romantic nature, his fierce desire to protect um, her, protect Kate, while also allowing her to be independent is um, inspired by Jean-Claude from the Anita Blake series. Um, and little teaser... That will actually be um, not my next episode, but the one after that will be the Anita Blake series. For anybody who knows that series and loves vampires, I promise it's coming. That's what I'm currently rereading. His gray eyes are actually based on a ring that I saw when I was younger. The story in the book is true. I went, I saw this this ring, and I just found it to be so beautiful because the gray diamond is rare and. You know, somebody who saw a gray diamond might think it is flawed in some way because it's not the usual white diamond. But there's something about that to me that's so beautiful because it is not the usual. Um, So it's a beautiful thing, a diamond, but the fact that it's gray makes it unique and not like the thing everybody else wants. And it stuck with me. It's always stuck with me. Um, So I did give him gray eyes in honor of that diamond. Um, which Kate does mention in the book. And for those of you listening, um, I actually, a couple weeks ago, to celebrate my graduation and how hard I've worked to get these books out and get where I'm at, I did finally buy myself a gray diamond ring. So if you go to my Instagram, I will post a picture. So Kate always wanted a gray diamond ring. So did Lena. And uh, Lena finally has one. And I apologize for the text. I'm turning it off right now. Uh Soren is Romanian because I've always loved men from other countries. I'm a sucker for an accent. I especially love Romania. Uh, I was actually supposed to go. The two-week trip would start in um, Scotland, go to Ireland, and then I would be 12 days in Romania going to four different villages. The thing was paid for. I had everything I needed. I was all ready to go, but unfortunately it was planned for April of 2021. And as we all know, COVID-19 really just ruined a lot of things Um, and I was going to be able to go, but I would have to quarantine for 10 days. So it didn't make sense. So that trip has been postponed to September of 2023. I will finally get to go. I'm excited. I'm still practicing my Romanian in preparation. If anyone on here speaks Romanian, please reach out to me. I would love to connect with you and practice because, you know, just saying it in my car is not the same, but that's why he's Romanian. Um his the fact that he's so open and willing to understand and empathize that he's so accepting of exactly the way she is is because that is the trait that i look for most in a partner Um, the fact that he works to heal her and help her overcome the remnants of her past is, um, what I need, what I am looking for. So that's why Soren has that. So that is Soren's formula, if you will. Um, that is how I created him. And if you are also uh, immensely attracted to him, then you and I probably have a lot in common. Um, but that's, that's probably why I'm single because (laughs) I'm looking for that. All right, moving on. What parts of Kate are like you and what parts aren't? So I've been very transparent that Kate is me. Um, she is a nurse she's a student she's a mom just like me but that's really just surfacey stuff deep down kate is very much like me as well but there are parts of her that are what i wish i was or what i strive to be her sarcasm her inner monologues they're all me her fears her pain her issues that's all me even some of those the backstory and even the tears um unfortunately i am a crier i cry when i'm happy when i'm frustrated when i'm tired when i'm angry i especially hate it when i'm angry and then i just get mad at myself for crying and i cry more so yeah that's that's me i hate it but it's just part of who i am but much like kate i wipe those tears away um i i feel things so deeply and i have to be strong So often for so long, I think that's where those tears come from. Um, I let them happen and then I wipe them away and I rally and I get back to work and do whatever needs to get done. So anyone who knows me knows I cry. Um, However, there are parts of Kate that I wish I could be. She's so courageous. Um, She's working through her low self-esteem and finding belief in herself. She is um, empowered. She has found this real deep love. She fights for those around her, fully prepared to die. I like to think that I would be like that. Thankfully, I've never been put in that situation, but I like to think I would be like that. I will say her major motivator, her kids, her, her love for them, her desire to protect, Um, How she puts them at the center of her choices, that is me. Um, They don't see it now because they're teenagers, but everything I do really is for them and to kind of hold this family together. Um, But hey, I don't always do it the right way or say it the right way, but it is always um, my major motivator. And I like to think, I mean, if I were asked to be a vampire, (laughs) I would, Um, but I would like to think a big chunk of it is because I would not want to leave them without a mother. How did I... How did you come up with the story? When did you know you wanted to be a writer? I I get this one a lot. Um, I never wanted to be a writer. It was never really even in my periphery. I've wanted to be an actress my whole life. But I put that dream away because um, I became pregnant with my first daughter. So I... Um, had gone to theater school. Um, I went to, now to nursing school. I sort of, um, t- I still did local theater. I did local film. However, the dream of being an actress was sort of put on hold. It was never gone. Um, it was always my dream. It's just not my goal right now. Um, and, and that was fine. I became a nurse. I, I continued to do theater. Well, then I started grad school Uh, The girls started extracurricular activities in high school. Then COVID hit, and doing theater was not an option. And it was okay in the beginning, but then I I wasn't the person I normally am. And I think it was because that creative part of me didn't have an outlet, and it needed to like have a world to play a fake world to play in. That's what we do when we're on stage we're basically playing pretend you know we get to play that we are in this world and i think my creativity needed that so one day um unbeknownst to me the day that would change my life i was watching true blood and i was thinking what would i do if i were a vampire now you need to know i've always been a fan of vampires like i said on my first episode i was six i saw bella lugosi play dracula and it was all downhill from there but i'm watching true blood and now i'm thinking what would i do if i became a vampire which led to me thinking well i'm a nurse i could get on straight nights um however we all know that straight nights is not really nights i mean you come in the sun is still up and when you leave the sun is coming up so how do i keep myself out of the sun and i thought well i know a lot of doctors who would probably help me fake a diagnosis if i asked them um so i could definitely get myself uh, on um, straight nights with the diagnoses that would make me, um, protected. So that would take care of that. Then how would I get the girls to school and how would I, um, keep that up? How would I keep that lie up? And I, I, it sent me down a spiral of, of creativity and thought in my brain. And I ran out and I told the girls, I think, I think I have a book idea. And they were like, oh, okay, great mom. And I told them what it was about and they were like, that's so stupid. But I ran downstairs and I just started started to type out the whole thing. Like, how would I do it? How would it work? What would it look like? How would I keep the secret? Um, Like I said in the book, you know, I'm 40, I'm not 20. So I can't just go missing. I I have responsibilities tomorrow. And um, so when I sat down to start writing, I did not (laughs) expect to write a book but I did. And what came out of me essentially was like all the things I fantasize about when I'm having a bad day at work, or I'm waiting in the car for a kid after practice, or I'm doing laundry, you know, human things. Um, and so all the stuff I fantasized about just kind of came out of me. And when it was done, I didn't want to publish it. I was terrified of what people would think. Uh, once it's out there, you can't take it back. Everybody would know. I mean, obviously I don't up until two years ago nobody knew that i loved vampires it's not something you talk about at work so they see a professional they don't know that i have these interests outside of work and so if the book comes out well now i can't hide anymore right so that was very scary so i let my friend jess read it and she is the one who really pushed me to get it out there i think she said something like girl girl you have to share this or something like that and i was like really i don't know and so she was on the that really pushed me to do this. I would not be here today if it weren't for Jess. Um, and I also realized that I was not ready to let go of Kate or Soren or Reese or Alex. I cried when I ended the book and typed the end because I didn't want to leave that world. So I knew I was going to keep writing. And then once I got through the process and it was ready to be distributed and it was ready to go on Amazon, I shook when I hit the button to send send it to print (coughs) sorry i shook because once you send a once you send something you have created out into the world and actors and writers and artists and musicians will all understand this once you send this thing that you have loved and created out into the world it does not belong to you anymore it now belongs to the world and they are allowed to say whatever they want about it I didn't read the reviews until just recently and that was because I was talking to my publisher about the sequel and he said, did you read your reviews? And so I started to read them. I was so scared of what people would think. Um, However, I knew people wanted a sequel because so many people came up to me at conventions or I would get emails or DMs saying, when is the next one coming out? When is the next one coming out? So long story short, I guess I'm a writer now, (laughs) which I never ever expected to be ever um another thing I another question I get a lot is what's your writing habit I don't think there's like a magic writing habit I know I was listening to Lin-Manuel Miranda once talk about writing Hamilton and he was like I would just write wherever I could like he was in his in-law's laundry room writing Hamilton so I think if you need a specific space and and process that is totally fine I'm not like that anybody who knows me knows that I like As much as I love to plan, my life really is at the mercy of things outside of me. And so I really have to be prepared to just write whenever. Um, I will say I do use the same laptop to write. I will be devastated when this laptop shuffles off this mortal coil. When I bought it, I, I was just starting grad school. The guy at Best Buy said, what are your priorities? And I said, oh, I need to be able to rely on it and it needs to be very durable because I am not somebody that needs like crystal don't have crystal around me. It's probably going to get broken. So I knew I needed durability. And let me tell you this laptop, God bless it. It's been to cons with me on road trips, gone through airport security. It's been in the hospital. It's been in the house. I've dropped it way too many times. Um, it is my trusty writing companion. I will post a picture on Instagram for this episode. I will be so heartbroken and I'm looking at it right now and I see all these little dents and stuff. And I just know, like, I just took it to have it, you know, cleaned up or whatever you do to computers. And the guy at Best Buy looked at it and was like, what have you done to this thing? <laughs> oh God. Uh, um, when I sit down to write, I do play music. Um, sometimes i light incense, but that's more about blocking out the noise. Um, I have teens, I have a dog and I try to like block all that out and get into Kate's world. And I do that. Um, through incense and music um, just to sort of take me away from reality. As far as planning the stories, so I have a bulletin board um, right in front of my eyes right now with key elements for each character. There is uh, an index card for each character with a picture of somebody who reminds me very much of what I picture in my head. And a couple people are based on actual people. Some of them are just kind of loosely based and I just found a picture that was close enough. So that is in front of me. I have notes up there. It's sort of like um, important stuff. So their age, their origin, their powers, their relationships, their backstories. And that's because I really want to be true to these characters with every decision because I know that there's a butterfly effect on the future every time a character makes a choice. And so I try to honor Each character by uh, making a choice that they would make. I know key plot points when I sit down to write, but I don't exactly know how I'm going to get there. Um, I'm halfway done with the third book, and I came to this very difficult choice, and I actually spent days agonizing over which way to go because each one was going to have a consequence on the future and obviously the rest of the series. So I, I really, I really agonized over this thing i even talked to my daughter about it because i didn't know what to do sometimes when i sit down to write i don't know yet how it will go and then the words just sort of come out of me and even i will get surprised by what happens and what these characters do or the way that they connect with each other Uh, it really is uh, i think i heard jk rowling say this it's like world building no it wasn't jk rowling oh so sorry to whoever said it but um It was, you're building a world every time you type. This is a question I get a lot. Um, how did you publish, and how can I get published? So this is a little bit of a complicated answer. I'll try to simplify it. If you need more, feel feel free to talk to me at conventions. I'm happy to talk to you about it. Um, I had somebody who aided me through this process, and I want to do the same. So it depends if you want a traditional publisher. If that's the case, and you need to create a one-page query letter, you tell them about you, about your story, why it's special, and then you just start sending them out. And I will. They'll tell you if they're interested, they'll ask for your manuscript, so be ready to send it. Don't throw out the line and not be ready when you catch a fish. If you tell them, well, it isn't done yet, they're going to move on, okay? They don't have the time for that nonsense. I did this for a while, I got a lot of rejections. Um, I did find solace in the knowledge that people like Stephanie Meyer and JK Rowling also read more than one rejection. Um, some of them were flat rejections. Some of them said, we'll look at it if you shorten it. And they felt it was too long to be successful in the genre. So I read the book again. I just couldn't find anywhere to sacrifice words. I felt that the book needed to stay as it was. And I felt that the fans of the genre would have no problem reading 400 pages if they were good. I have a lot of faith in the readers of our um lovely world if it's good they'll they'll read a thousand pages if if it's good so i kept i could have kept doing that for six months or, or 18 months but i i could just go out on my own and that's what i decided to do I wanted to be an independent published author. I held a Kickstarter. Some amazing people believed in me and I thank the universe every day that they did. And I used that money to hire a content editor. So this is somebody, this is not somebody who looks for typos or bad grammar, but instead they look at the story. How can it be shaped to be more successful? She was freelance and ironically was someone who rejected my book earlier. So. When we met, she told me that she couldn't believe it was my first book. She said, you know how to tell a story, let's just clean up the language. So she's the one that taught me about giving each character a different uh, speech pattern and voice. She helped me rethink the ending. So for those of you curious about the original ending, I promise if I ever go big, I will celebrate by sharing the original ending of Bite Shift with you. She could not find much to trim so i made the decision to independently publish i kept the book the way i wanted it um i did a lot of research uh spoke to a few publishers but it was a publish that i chose to publish with they work with you on everything i had so much control over my cover um my my font the position of the page numbers how i wanted the sale. i mean you control so much of it Yes, it's money up front, but it was worth it to me to get the book out that I wanted you guys to be able to read. So my advice to you is when the story is ready, have a few people read it, get feedback, listen to them, clean it up, make it the best book you can do. And when you're ready do your research there's a lot of self publishers out there that will prey on your dreams and steal your money so you can um, spend the time to get a traditional publisher there's nothing wrong with that or if you want to independently publish just be careful and do your research will you write more i get this question so many times it it usually goes i loved bite shift are you going to write some more And then a couple more questions, which I'm about to get to. Yes, Code Blood comes out May 10th. I'm already halfway through the third installment of Kate's story. Um, And then after that, I I hate to say it, but we're gonna put her story on pause for a little bit because I wanna get you three more books, which are the backstories of Reese, Alex, and Soren. I love these men. I wanna honor them in showing you guys exactly who they are and what they've come from and what they've overcome. Um, to me, they're not just eye candy. So I want to give those stories to you guys so that when we pick back up with Kate, you have a better sense of, of who these men are and, and why they do what they do and, and what what they have uh, been through. So big, big question I get all the time. How do you do it all? That, that is the number one question I get. How do you do it all? so there's no easy answer i schedule a lot um i will schedule i will make to-do lists every night for the next day i will think out how i'm gonna get it done how i'm gonna time it all i rely on the people around me that's a big one you know um i have a sister who will jump in whenever i need help the girl's dad will take them for weekends so i can get homework done because remember i have homework on top of all of this Um, I have friends who talk to me in the bad moments on the bad days. Um, I, I obviously everybody struggles. I have my own struggles. And so you find the people in your life who will support you through specific types of struggles and you lean on them and you say, I need you, I need help. And, um, And rely on them I I have a dear friend who you will meet in the next book he helped me edit the sequel he gave me honest feedback Um, and that's a, a kind of help that you cannot put a price tag on we meet up for lunches we vent we talk through issues and these issues are both real issues and also Kate related issues you know he talks to me like these these characters are real because to me they are like i said i agonized over a decision that would impact several characters that i love and um, he allows me to talk through that like they are real and that is so important to me and he honors me in that and and that is i would absolutely not be here without people like jess and this person And I am telling you, find people in your life who will embrace your weird, who will meet your needs exactly as they are and where you're at, and that's what he does for me. Um, Having fans approach me at conventions or email me or DM me, that keeps my fire going. You know, it usually happens like right when I want to give up, and it keeps me, it keeps me grounded, and it also keeps me passionate and excited to do what I do every day. And of course my daughters, I mean, they won't let me quit on anything first off. They are probably the people in my life who are the most real with me. They will absolutely call me out on my bullshit. Um, They will not allow me to quit on things. So what I'm saying is um, there is time for you to follow your dream. It is up to you if you use that time to work on it, or to binge a show instead. Um, And be careful who's around you. Negativity is very insidious. It's like a poison. You won't know that it's killing you until it's too late. So cut off the things that hold you back from your goal. I know it is hard. I know it is easier said than done. Trust me, I totally get it. But if you're faced with a choice Ask yourself, does this help me reach my dream? Whether that dream is a healthy relationship or work-life balance or to be a YouTube star or to be more in shape or to write a series, whatever it is, if that choice doesn't help you get there, then the answer is no. Are people going to call you a bitch? Probably, but you can either get called a bitch or an asshole or you can continue to sacrifice Um, yourself for people who ultimately might not appreciate it so if the choice doesn't help you reach your dream the answer is no you're gonna upset people but that is okay because if you surround yourself with supporters and cheerleaders and you make decisions to support yourself you will be shocked by what you can achieve you can have what you want. You can have your dreams. And it is okay to want your dreams. It is okay to want what you want. It is okay. So if you want those things, then you're going to have to do some work. Some of it is fun, like like recording a podcast. Some of it is not so fun, like saying goodbye to things that um, ultimately you need to let go of. So with all of that, I just want to thank you all for everything that you have done for me, for listening to this podcast, for talking to people about my books, for encouraging me, for saying hi at conventions. I just, I thank you all so much. I'm very excited for what's to come in the future. And in the meantime, I wish you all wicked hugs and bloody kisses. I love you all. Good evening.